Hello, everybody, and welcome to the the first episode, the promotional preview episode of our new Patreon show. Um, working title undetermined. We're probably not going to title it. Honestly, it's just the patron show. I I would be surprised if I'm asked to like put music on it. Honestly, like. <laughs> Um, because that's kind of, the, that's the whole premise of the show is if BBR is like a highly polished, prepared product where we sit down and deliver certain talking points in a certain order to you every week, this show is the exact opposite of that, where it's just going to be us sitting down as friends and word diarrheaing all over a microphone for 45 minutes to an hour every couple of weeks because we appreciate your five dollars thank you for the five dollars thank you for the five dollars it goes to pay for such things as overlays which do cost money <laughs> they do um as well as things like season art and filing our taxes so that we can have a limited liability company and not go bankrupt if we get sued so because <laughs> we all know that papa nintendo loves <laughs> to get all the tidges at the randomest weirdest shit like legitimately you never know with them like we we're not big enough to warrant that kind of attention but it would be just our luck just yeah. somebody sitting in the nintendo office being like who, who the fuck are these people sued Juichi Masuda being like, I am not Papa Masuda. I am not. You don't get to call me that. <laughs> That's slander. <laughs> uh, so, Annabeth, how the hell are you? Um, I'm doing okay. The world's burning down as we record this. So we're, we're trying to be positive. We're trying to be positive. It's real hard, but we're, we're, we're doing the thing. Um, so we're not going to talk about the, the hashtag world tonight uh, in any way because you might want to hear that conversation but we're not willing to have that conversation we've had it enough honestly it's it's fine um it's fine take care of your neighbors take care yep. of your neighbors i i think the the one piece of advice i i would give everybody and not directly related to what's going on right now but when you're in a situation where bad things are happening it's important to remember what you can do and what you can't do and fixating on the things that you can't do is just an outlet for frustration. Focus on the things that you can do, the people you can help, the people whose lives you can make better and do those things. <laughs> Soapbox off. <laughs> uh, so, Annabeth, mm. I've come to a realization in the last couple of weeks. Okay, I'm getting ready to take the polar opposite side. Go for it. I I am I am capital M millennial, right? Born in 19 fucking 86, graduating class of 2005. Like upper but still middle range millennial. Are you about to tell me that we ruined diamonds? No. <laughs> or is it education, TV? I mean, well? yes, all of all of the above, yes, but no. I hate Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay. All right. Fair enough. I hate it. I fucking, I fucking hate it. I have been a high fantasy nerd practically my entire life. I read the fucking Drizzt Doerden books in fucking high school. Back They're, when, they're on my shelf. I like right there with you. <laughs> I, I have lived and breathed this shit. I've played, I played World of Warcraft for how many fucking years? Too Running many. around as an elf and a fucking orc all the goddamn time. 
high fantasy has been such a huge part of my life. And the most high fantasy ass shit in the whole world that came out at the perfect time to captivate my entire generation literally cannot fucking stand it. Most boring shit I have ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> Fair enough. There are plenty of people who don't enjoy Lord of the Rings, and there are a, a plethora of reasons uh, for that. I do live on the other side of that divide <laughs> as a point of note. I, I am somebody who, when Fellowship of the Ring came out, saw it 13 times in theaters with different people. It's worth noting, I liked it well enough when it was new, although still not that well. Um, Steven's controversial hot take for the evening. My formative high school years trilogy was the fucking Star Wars prequel trilogy, not the Lord of the Rings. I mean, fair. Um, <clears throat> I don't mind Lord of the Rings. I read the books when I was younger. Um, I haven't read them in a hot minute. And Tolkien is, he's a very dry, he's a very dry writer. He's, he's a, he's an English professor. Um, but, or was, I should say, he's obviously passed on, uh, since the days of yore, but legitimately, um, there's, a, there are all kinds of, of issues with Lord of the Rings, but it is, I would like to point out, it is also a product of its times and the person who wrote it. Oh, like, I mean, yeah, there's problematic shit everywhere, but like that fucking Lovecraft was a Nazi. So like all your faves are problematic if they're from like before 1950, probably yeah, if they're from uh, after 1950. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> still today, still today, right now. Um, I don't I have never been able to like I re I have historically read a lot of high fantasy literature. Wheel of Time, one of my favorite series of all time, despite the fact that I don't think that I could go back and read it now because of all the gross gender shit that didn't register to me as gross gender shit when I was 17. Um, but I have never been able to read my way through the two towers. It reads like fucking Deuteromedy. Like it's just, it's just miserable. Just pages and pages of Hrothgar, son of Wayne, son of Fwoen, who fought the Dwanger Dwanger in the battle of Fergamagods. And I'm like, oh God, fucking put a bullet right, right here. No, no, thank you. Um, and, and honestly, like it's fucked up. I, I've been trying to, right? Because like, I have I've discovered the black hole that is TikTok. Um which is Oh no. Yeah, it's bad. It's bad. Don't if you're not on TikTok, don't don't. For me, your friend, don't do it. Um but it did not take the TikTok algorithm long to learn exactly who and what the fuck I am. Um and just start presenting me with dogs and babies and Pokemon and you might be an emo kid millennial if bullshit content and i eat that shit up like grapes just nom 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 um but I, that that also means that i get a lot of like nostalgia bait for lord of the rings and i'm like yeah you know maybe maybe i'm wrong here maybe i'm wrong and so i have tried on four separate occasions in the last month or so to sit down and watch one of those movies from bookend to bookend and i just cannot fucking do it from a technical standpoint, they hold up well. Like, they still look good. Yeah, they do. They're just the most boring, miserable piece of media that I have ever laid eyes on. I would rather watch the Aragon movie or the Percy Jackson movie than sit through any of the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I think that I have bought those movies 
too many times. I <laughs> I owned at one point the original theatrical release trilogy as well as co- physical copies of the extended editions and I still own digital copies of the extended editions uh that I bought a couple years ago when I was going back to do to do a rewatch. <clears throat> but yeah, I've I've bought those movies too many times. Clearly I enjoy them cuz a lot of money went into those purchases. Um I don't watch them very often. In fact, I don't watch movies very often anymore. I'm finding the time to sit down for a sustained like two to three hour period outside of a theater is almost impossible (laughs) in my day-to-day life, which throws, as a point of note, extended edition Return of the King right out the window (laughs) because that movie is so fucking long. There's not, there's no, there's not a snowball's chance in hell that I will ever have time to sit down and watch it again. Hey, what happened to 90 minute movies? I mean, Lord of the Rings is what happened to 90 minute movies, but like what the, not every movie needs to be three and a half fucking hours long. Jesus Christ. Sometimes I just want to see the good guy punch the bad guy and then go take a pee and then go get, get something to eat. Like it's, it's true. They don't, they don't need to be, you don't need to make a four hour movie to justify the price of a movie ticket. Just make it fucking look good. Make it something that I want to go see in the theater because you no longer have the, well, everything is just in the theater now. That's gone, baby. COVID shot that in the fucking dome. It's it's over. Streaming is here. And so if you want me to go see your fucking movie in the theater, fucking just make it pretty. Make it so pretty I want to go see it in the theater. I went and saw every Star Wars sequel in the theater, and those were bad movies in hindsight, overall, two thirds of those were medium bad to truly bad movies. Um, I still wanted it really to see them ran in the, the gamut. <laughs> it really ran the gamut. So, okay, so so we're hopping here, but we we had already broached the topic slightly. So, I think that the Star Wars prequels and the Star Wars sequels have oh, here the, it comes. have the inverse problems, right? Where the prequels are a really good trilogy. Like they have a clear vision of the story they want to tell from beginning to end. And they have interesting beats along the way, solid breakpoints, like well-constructed movie trilogy with major structural problems in each individual film within that trilogy. Yes. <laughs> like that, that's the thing, right? The sequels are the exact opposite in that like individually, None of them are awful movies. Um, well, two thirds of them are not awful movies. <laughs> um, the Force Awakens is like very clearly an homage to A New Hope, but it's a good homage to A New Hope. It hits uh, a lot of old familiar beats, but it comes at some of them sideways from interesting places. And it's, it's a fun watch. It is a good, well-constructed movie. The Last Jedi is on its own merits one of the best Star Wars movies. I will die on that hill. You will do, you'll die on that hill. I, huh? I have been for years now. Um, it subverts a lot of expectations really, really masterfully. It tells a good message. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, it doesn't feel thematically like a Star Wars movie. Go back without any sort of bias 
rewatch Empire Strikes Back, rewatch the seminal Star Wars movie, and then go watch Return of the Sith. Those movies are almost nothing alike. Because if there's one constant in Star Wars as a franchise, it's that George Lucas is constantly reinventing it as he goes. So to me, if anything, the fact that The Last Jedi is the least like the other Star Wars movies of that trilogy, ironically makes it the most Star Wars. Because he wasn't ryan johnson was not afraid to tell a new story from a new angle in that setting which is something that george lucas also would not have been afraid to do um go go uh, on go on no, I, I i actually agree with you about the, the last jedi as a point of note which is something we rarely do we get common ground here um the problem that we have in, just in general with Star Wars is the fact that Star, Star Wars, the trilogies, have been made in, in very different eras and different times. Uh, and as a result, nobody – anybody who tells you they know what Star Wars is is full of shit. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. With- 100%. There is no one thing that Star Wars is and it was never envisioned as one big thing. And like from the very beginning. Um, but, but I guess to, to, to cap into the point – with the exception of the rise of Skywalker, all of the movies in the sequel trilogy are individually good. And even last rise of Skywalker is very watchable on its own merits. It's, it's a good a, popcorn flick. It's a watchable movie, but they clearly were, there was no overarching plan. There was no story. And as such, like they failed to meaningfully set up and pay off like, like plot points. They're, they're, they're a trilogy in name only. And so while, you know, we're going through this renaissance where people are looking back at the the prequel trilogy and being like, these movies are better than they got credit for when they first came out because they can sit down and binge watch them in an afternoon, which you couldn't do when they came out. And they're better together than they are individually. The sequels are having the opposite problem where they are so much worse when viewed back to back than they are just watching them by themselves. The thing about telling a cohesive story in pieces is you have to have some idea of where you want to go. Like, you you have to. Because foreshadowing is a thing. Like, you have to plan ahead. You have to do the show and not tell. And to do that, you need to at least have a rough outline. You can't ride completely by the seat of your pants. You can do a lot of it, but you still have to have some idea of, of what, you, what story do you want to tell. Uh, and... The sequel trilogy does not do that, largely because they gave creative control to the directors that they had there. And J.J. Abrams are like, hey, prove to people we can do Star Wars. Go ahead. Ryan Johnson, Ryan Johnson, do whatever the fuck you want. And then they were like, no, no, no. Everyone's mad. Everyone's <laughs> mad. Let's just take that a step back. They like the uh, J.J. And, and we'll, movie. Bring J.J. back. <laughs> we, we can fix it. We can fix it. The, the problem is, if you are if you're going to commit to letting somebody do something entirely new and different, let them. Like, don't, don't double back. Let somebody capitalize on that momentum. Like, Last Jedi, for all the things that people think are controversial about it, like, set up some actual story momentum that they could have carried into the third film, but instead they were trying to retcon the second movie while making the third movie. Um, It is so much worse for that (laughs) in every possible way. It is impressive that the rise of Skywalker is such a bad film that it makes the last Jedi worse retroactively. I, it makes me so angry. It's, it's so bad. It's so bad. I, I'm going to say words right now that I never would have thought I would have said 10 years ago. And that is 
they need to put George Lucas back into Star Wars. Because for all of the problems with George Lucas being in charge of Star Wars, which are many and varied and well-documented, the one thing George Lucas never, ever did was take Star Wars too fucking seriously. Never. Not even fucking once. He is going to go to his grave calling lightsabers laser swords and not giving a shit who gets upset about it. I mean, um, if he took Star Wars seriously, he wouldn't have cast Hayden Christensen <laughs> as Anakin Skywalker. So let's let's just point proven right there. Like, he... I've been watching Clone Wars. I, I've been on a huge sci-fi kick lately, um, and, and I've, I've been watching the, the Clone Wars animated series. I'm through the first three seasons, and every now and again, when an episode like particularly strikes me, where I'm just like, "Man, that was a cool episode," or "Huh, those were some weird choices," I'll hunt down um, like the Dave Filoni director commentary for those episodes and just kind of see like what he, what his thoughts on that episode were, and. Almost never do they have anything to do with what I thought was interesting about that episode. Usually he's just on some bullshit and you're like, my dude, did you pop a Molly like before y'all started recording? Cause you're high as shit right now. Um, but like you'll get some really good Lucas anecdotes out of those director's commentaries. Cause George Lucas was very involved in the production process of the Clone Wars animated series. Um, as you can tell by all of the episodes that are just shot for shot remakes of like 1930s movies. Uh, that is some George Lucas ass shit right there. Uh, <laughs> but, but like, yeah, like, at least three different times. And again, I'm not watching these commentaries for every episode, just the ones that stick out to me. But at least three different times, Filoni has started a story where he's been like, so George wanted to do this thing. And we went, now, George, we can't do that thing because of X, Y, or Z. And George just goes, then fucking change it. I want to do the thing. The thing is cool. The thing is cool. The thing Listen, is cool. The do thing the is thing. cool. Um, <laughs> on that note, if you go and watch the, um, they did a making of the Mandalorian series where they had interviews with the directors in a round table. Um, that's some fascinating shit right there. Just to listen to like a group of huge star Wars nerds talk about making star Wars. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, the Mandalorian has been so good and it's funny cause I don't think it would have been near as good as it has been if Favreau and Filoni had not first cut their teeth on Clone Wars. Because if yep. you go back and watch Clone Wars Season 1, Clone Wars Season 1 is corny as shit. Like, it's yes. good, but it's super corny. And it's super corny because it's Star Wars-ass, nerd-ass fanboys making a Star Wars show and geeking the fuck out over the fact that they're making a Star Wars show. And it's not until the middle of Season 2 when they settle down and go, okay, how do we actually, like, spin a good story out of this thing? That the stories start to get really, really good. They um, want how many more seasons? Oh, got fuck. Well, you gotta pay attention. <laughs> They want how many more seasons and the main characters can never fundamentally change because this all takes place before Revenge of the Sith. It's a prequel. It's such a problem with prequels. I I appreciate the fact that they get around that in the Clone Wars by as the seasons go on, focusing more and more on tertiary characters where they can kind of just do whatever the fuck they want because they're not in the movie anyway. Who gives a shit? Um, which is kind of what you have to do. Right. Um, but. But yeah, uh, Mandalorian's been very good. Have you watched all of Book of Boba Fett yet, Annabeth? Y yes, I have. Yes, yes, I have. Annabeth, what did you think of Book of Boba Fett? 
I think that they had no fucking idea what they wanted to do with that show. There are individual episodes and elements of the show that are very good. But the show clearly didn't know what its identity was or what it wanted to do. And I think, unfortunately, having Boba Fett premiere in Mando season two really set the tone of the character in a way that they didn't want to do in the show. The ultra violent, like, go back and watch that scene from the yeah. first time Boba Fett shows up and he's breaking stormtroopers' helmets with a gaffy stick. Oh, he's, he's fucking brutal. Fucking brutal. And that's not. The the competent, deadly Boba Fett we see in the show, which I think was a big letdown uh, for a lot of people. But yeah, like the two episodes that are really focused on the Mandalorian uh, and his little green friend should have should have been in the Mandalorian season three. There's a bunch of people going to be fucking confused. One, uh, two, like cutting those two episodes out of what is essentially like a what seven episode series or something like that. That's like a quarter of your time to do actual character development, like. That's bad. Don't do that. Also, we have a rancor because Godzilla movie. It's just the end is just a kaiju movie. I don't I don't understand. So it feels to me, honestly, and this is this is speculation, of course, as I do, as I want to do, but it feels to me like they went into pre-production on Book of Boba Fett and they said, okay, we have a list of things that we need to have happen for the Mandalorian season three. And I'm guessing there was probably some like, well, some of this has to happen elsewhere because we only have X number of episodes for Mando season three. And we know exactly what we want those episodes to be. So we need to do some of the setup for them outside of it. And part of that was obviously the situation with Grogu with, with baby Yoda, as he's known colloquially, um, because Disney doesn't take risks. And while it's very possible they could have made a Mandalorian season three and had Grogu be tertiary or not even in it at all, and it still would have been wildly successful because Favreau is telling really good stories in that setting and Din Djarin is a good character. Yep. The mouse isn't going to hear that. They're going to go, we sell millions of dollars in Baby Yoda merch. Put fucking Baby Yoda back on the fucking screen, goddammit. And they don't care that that character had a good arc where he left like like visibility they're like no we don't give a shit if we're gonna make this show put the fucking baby yoda back on it somebody <laughs> somebody at lucasfilm watched the end of the season picked up the phone called favreau and said did you just kill baby yoda by sending <laughs> that child to luke's fucking training ground we've already said this in canon favreau what the fuck it's yeah. So, so someone, yeah, clearly like on their checklist of things, baby Yoda has to go back with Mando has to, has to make it happen. Doesn't matter how it happens. Um, I also think that setting, setting Boba Fett up where he is was more important than giving him a character arc. Like I can see in the ether, some of the cool things that they will, or, or at least can do with the Mandalorian season three with, with Din Djarin being in this position to essentially become like the, the Mandalore, right? He has the dark saber. He has the, the right to rule the Mandalorian people, but he, he is shamed and does not feel like worthy of accepting that honor his own, like, cult for lack of a better word wouldn't accept him even if he wanted to because of that shame um and, and he has to figure out how to reunite his people reclaim their home reclaim his honor and, and he's got two really good character foils who represent like other ideals of what it means to be mandalorian in the form of bo-katan cries who 
like is performatively Mandalorian, but has a very different worldview than Din. Yeah. Um, and, and is like, like again for her, like the the whole like warrior's code and shit, like that's all pomp and circumstance. That's not actually like relevance to living your life and and the the way that you do things in the way that it is like so central to the identity of Den. Uh, and then you've got Boba Fett who has like the greatest Mandalorian pedigree in the fact that he's like of the Fett house. Um, although like the fact that he's a clone muddies that water a little bit. There's some, gr- I don't know how much of this is still canon with the whole legends split within star Wars. There is some really gross eugenicist bullshit in like Mandalorian culture that I kind of hope stays on the cutting room floor in this iteration, honestly. Um, but yeah, you've got Boba Fett who has, rejected being Mandalorian entirely was raised by the Mandalorian Um, in legends canon. At one point, Jango Fett was Mandalore. Like he ruled the Mandalorian people. And, and Boba's just like, no, I don't, I don't have people. Like I'm just, I'm just fucking Boba Fett and I'm going to do my shit. Um, And those are both really interesting character archetypes for Din to bounce off of as he figures out what it means for him to be Mandalorian in a galaxy that doesn't conform itself in the ways that in his like sheltered cloister, he expected it to. Um, Especially when you throw Grogu into the mix, who has chosen to be a Mandalorian at this point and is not like anyone's textbook definition of what a Mandalorian should be. Again, there's some gross racial shit with Mandalorians. They would not have accepted Grogu in in the old EU. Right. Um, So Like, I see all these pieces, and it just feels like the entire book of Boba Fett was less about how did Boba Fett get from the Sarlacc pit to here, as much as it was about we need to maneuver these characters into exactly this position, get them there in the fewest steps possible. And they made some really frustrating decisions to get to that point. Like, I was was screaming screaming at my TV over Luke fucking Skywalker and Ahsoka fucking Tano, the two people living in the entire galaxy who are the most familiar with, with what drove Anakin Skywalker to become Darth Vader being like, Hey, little green dude. Nah, you can't, you can't have any sort of fucking attachments. My guy, you got to fucking burn that shit down. You fucking love your dad. You can never see him again. Fuck you. Don't touch that warm feeling in your chest. Fuck you, kid. Like, I I know that very little of this is, like, settled canon, right? But in my opinion, what has always been clear from the text is that what drove Anakin to the dark side was not the fact that he was attached to people. It was his fear of losing them and the fact that he could not seek any validation or comfort for those feelings because he had to hide his attachments because the order forbade them and everyone fucking had them. Everyone had them. Um, what's his fuck? The, the, the conehead dude with the fucking butt ridges on his head. Um, that guy was fucking married to three fucking wives because the species was endangered. He had a special fucking field, field trip permission slip from Yoda to go fucking bang one out. Right. Fucking, um, Mace Windu used a lightsaber form that channeled the fucking dark side. Fucking Obi-Wan Kenobi was going to leave the Jedi Order to bang the fucking Duchess of Mandalore. Like, they all fucking loved people, and they just swallowed that shit deep down, and it just ate Anakin up inside. He wasn't built for that because he wasn't kidnapped when he was like three. And the tragedy of Star Wars is that the Jedi will look at that and go, see? 
we were right at first. We never should have taken this kid. He was too fucking old. Instead of seeing, hey, we were actually doing like really fucked up irreversible damage to these children. And like, maybe we should let them love their fucking moms. Like, maybe that's not the worst thing you can do as a person. That's legitimately what Qui-Gon Jinn would have done. Yeah. <laughs> Just would have been like, dude, fuck the council. It's fine. Yeah, let's go Just check be a on good your mom. Person. You had a bad dream that your mom was going to die. Let's go check on your fucking mom. Like, what's going on? Th- that is the tragedy of Star Wars, is that if Qui-Gon had not fucking died anakin would have been fucking fine like worst case scenario he would have washed out of the jedi because he would have gone to fucking qui-gon and been like man i got padme pregnant and qui-gon would have been like gotta quit bro go fucking go fucking be the fucking prince regent of naboo have fun hang out with jar jar let him be the nanny for your kids you could do worse right she's She's a she's a great woman. She's super smart. She's politically connected. Her world is gorgeous, and she's rich. Go for it, man. It, it's just it it's so, but it's so frustrating because that's so clear in the text that it was fear driven by the burying of emotion that drove Anakin to the dark side, and immediately his son and his Padawan are like, "Hey, kid, you love your dad." Bury that shit deep. Bury it deep. Nothing bad ever comes from burying your emotions deep. And if you get a bad feeling about your fucking dad, too bad because you can never see him again. It's it's so bad. And like we have again, EU Legends material no longer canon, yada yada. I get it. But we have 20 plus years of novelization that takes place after the original trilogy showing a Luke Skywalker who understood that arc of his father who said, you know, I'm going to rebuild the Jedi, but we're going to make some changes and we're going to let these people be people and have families and be grounded in the universe that they serve and protect. And and then now like the, the canon canon is just like, no, fuck that. Actually Luke didn't learn shit. (laughs) He's just sucking that Yoda dick. (laughs) And it's so, it's so bad. And they have to do this because they have to make Luke be the kind of person who would do what he did to his nephew. But also Luke never should have been the kind of person to do that shit to his fucking nephew. Yep. It's true. Cannon's a dumb thing sometimes. It's so stupid. It's so, it's so frustrating. Um, but, but baby Yoda's back. Hooray. Hooray. Um, I didn't mind the rancor. Like there's always spectacle in star Wars. And I thought that that was, I thought it was a cool callback to like the fact that we're in Tatooine. We're in Jabba's palace. We have a rancor now. That's sick. Oh shit. It's loose. Oh yeah. That's rad as hell. Like, fuck it. Who cares? The concept um, art literally has the rancor climbing a tower with a Twi'lek woman. Yeah. He's just King Kong. Hand. And I was like, it's fucking King Kong. Yeah. Um, but legit, can we talk for a second about how the show had two perfectly serviceable villains in, in the hut, like family who just were like, peace, we'll give you this subpar villain instead. Here you go. <laughs> I, I I know that the, the Pikes are like a thing, right? That they exist in like other Star Wars canon materials, that they are like a big deal on the criminal side of things. But you know what? If all you've watched is the movies in the Mandalorian, you don't know who the fuck the Pikes are. And you, you know what? You, you know who you know who they are? Fucking huts. You know who the fuck those huts are. You know, you don't know who Bra- Black Chrysantha is necessarily, but you see big black angry Chewbacca. Like that's enough. That's enough. <laughs> um, you get it. And it, it's so frustrating because like I cannot imagine like 
speaking in like pro wrestling terms, like if, if your hardcore Star Wars fans are your marks, the pop that they are going to generate from, oh shit, it's the Pikes. Is it, is it anything? Is it anything compared to just the whole world being like, oh shit, there's two Jabba's and they're pissed. The craziest thing about the huts in that show are how they're being carried around on a litter, right? And you're thinking to yourself, these people must wield a ton of power and consequence because they ain't moving fast. Won't be hard to kill them. Oh, it's it's outrageous. Like one of my favorite things ever, ever in Star Wars period. I've been playing Star Wars The Old Republic again because I am a mark. I know, mark. I've seen you on Steam. I'm a fucking mark. Uh, but like sometimes I don't want to play a good game. I just want to be a space wizard with a fucking laser sword. And that game scratches that itch for me. And I appreciate that about it. Um, but one of my favorite things is the very first expansion was bad, um, but it was hut themed. Like it was the rise of the hut cartel and you, and yep. you go to the planet and on the Republic side story, you meet a hut who speaks perfect English. He's a scientist and he speaks to you so clearly. And you say something like, I thought huts only spoke huttese. And he's like, no, we all speak English. We just refuse to because it's a power play. And it's like, boy. <laughs> The fucking balls to just be like, no, I'm just going to speak my Ugu Daga Baga Naga Wookie, <laughs> even though I totally speak and understand your tongue just to fuck with you. It's so good. We want the voice actors to have fun. God, lay <laughs> off. It's the best. It's the best. And I love it. Um, also. I, I, I rolled a scoundrel for the first time ever. I have never played a scoundrel in that game until literally right now. And I just love that in this game of like laser swords and massive like fuck off cannons that the scoundrel's just like, I'm going to punch you a lot. I'm holding a gun, but mostly I'm going to punch you and you're going to die. Yep. I had a, <clears throat> when the game came out, I had a friend who played a scoundrel and really, really liked it. Um, God, at launch when we played Republic, I was playing a trooper, which I actually had a really good time with. Um, I didn't play a force builder character until I hit um, Empire side. It's 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 such a complicated game. Like there was so much that was good about it, but they put they paid too much attention to what do the people who play Bioware RPGs want from an MMO and not enough attention to what do the people who play MMOs want from an MMO and it bit them in the ass. They expected everyone to play the game the way they wanted them to play it and not the way MMO players play MMOs. Um, and it sucks. And EA is a shitty, shitty developer who was just like, Oh, this game is underperforming even slightly. Make it the cash grabbiest bullshit humanly imaginable. Um, and that's what they did. But it has been for a while. It has been for a long time, uh, but it's still fun in small doses. I think like I'll play it for a couple of weeks really intensely and then not for several years. And then a couple of years later, something Star Wars will draw my attention back and I will do the do the whole damn thing all over again, uh, because that's just the life I lead. Um, but yeah, I would I would love to see them take another crack at a Star Wars MMO and and I think it's coming honestly with with as big as FF14 has blown up lately like you can see other developers starting to lick their lips and be like mm, I could go for uh I could go for some of that FF14 money I could I think the funniest thing about that is that they they got their eyes focused 
on their FF14 money. And the, like we had to stop sales of our game because there were too many people coming into the servers. Meanwhile, New World is burning over on the left and no one is watching. Well, but at the end of the day, like even New World is a huge success story because like even if they never like they made so much money on that game, they made all the money. And even if they don't have like the staying power to make like perpetual like fucking fuck you World of Warcraft money, like they made their development costs back and then some they could shutter that game tomorrow and it would have been profitable for them. Um which, like, what more can you, like, honestly ask for? But, like, it's so clear that there's a market there and that that, mar- that market is so hungry for content. And then Star Wars is so high right now off the back of the Mandalorian. And they're pushing this High Republic shit. Like, I could I could easily see them being, like, High, high Republic MMO. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do the thing. Let's do Ten the thing. years from now, it'll get released. Yeah. Um. I, I. I would love to see it. I would love to see something that maybe falls in the spectrum in between galaxies and the old republic. Um. Like a little bit less sandboxy than galaxies, but a little bit less on rails, pure amusement park than uh, Tor was. It's really, it's really wild. Star Wars in like different media is always a kind of wild thing, whether it's MMO or games, TV like books it's all over the place because it's star wars but i on my shelf which is not right behind me i have three out of print star wars mmo books um and they were wicked expensive to get because they're out of print um but i ended up running a campaign god it's like almost 10 years ago now um but i asked my players at the time i'm like listen we're going to use, like, the movies, because there was no sequel movies at the time, um, as a, a baseline. When do you want to play? Everything up to a specific point in time in the canon will be true, and then anything after we start might change. Um, and they wanted to play in Clone Wars era, which was fucking wild. <laughs> Man, the Clone Wars is so cool. Like, it's it's such a shame the Clone Wars themselves are such an interesting point in Star Wars history. And George Lucas was like, we don't need that. We don't need to really show that in our movies. We're going to show the very beginning and the very end and nothing in the middle. And then we'll make a cartoon show for children like four about years war. after the movie about this brutal war. Um, and that'll be how we tell that story. Um, what? Like, I, I, I can't, man. Like, Really, that's that is the problem for me of the prequel trilogy as a whole is specifically Attack of the Clones, because they could have done one of two things. Either keep it exactly when and where it was, minimize the Anakin Padme love plot, because you could have got across everything that you needed of he was a boy, she was a girl. Can we be any more obvious in like a scene? That's all you have to dedicate to that. Like, also... It's so fucking weird. It's so fucking weird that they cast little ass boy Anakin in Phantom Menace and fucking like big titty Padme and then had her at the end of that movie looking at him like, hmm, mm, hello, 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 Annie. It's so gross. It's so fucking great like it's clear that that movie was written with him being like 16 to 17 in mind and then george lucas was like no we need a little boy to sell fucking action figures but it makes it so gross just it's let him worst. be a teenager it's the worst it's the absolute fucking worst 
But yeah. The problem, here's the problem. If he was a teenager, he'd be like, fuck, I'm out of here. Like, I've been here too long. I'm leaving. I it's it's so nasty. Um, but like, yeah, like minimize the love plot in in Attack of the Clones. You can get you can get a lot cross with a little bit of screen time. And focus on the Anakin Obi-Wan relationship in that movie, because that's really that is the relationship that is the pillar of that trilogy, right? Is Anakin and Obi-Wan as mentor mentee, as brothers, adopted brothers, Obi-Wan as a a foster parental figure in Anakin's life. Um, and like for me, at the time of watching initially in theaters in 2005. The the you were the chosen one on the shore of Mustafar from Obi-Wan didn't hit because it didn't feel like Obi-Wan gave a shit about this kid. Like, he, did, he didn't movies. want to do anything to begin with. <laughs> it, de- it definitely hits me a little bit, but I'm a little more sensitive <laughs> on that end. Um, but legitimately, you're right. And it's a it's a shame. Because Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan Kenobi is fantastic. Oh, he's the best part of that trilogy. Like, hands down. That and Christopher Lee is Dooku, um, who who deserved way more screen time than he got. Can we talk for a second about how they chose to name him Count Dooku when they could have just called him the Duke? <laughs> <laughs> like, you, you give him a, an official title and it incorporates his name and now he's got a cool nickname. Awesome. Done. Yeah, no. Fucking... Yeah, or or alternatively, you put basically the entire plot of Attack of the Clones as the fucking text crawl at the beginning and just make that a Clone Wars movie. Like, you literally could have started that movie at the midway point with, like, you open on Obi-Wan arriving to find the clone army. And that's your first, like, 20 minutes, and then the rest of it is war footage. That would have been a way better, way cooler movie. Um, it'd, yeah, it'd be interesting for sure. And well, the other thing that's really crazy is because you see the beginning of the Clone Wars, you see the end of the Clone Wars, like prior to the series, it introduces like a bunch of characters who are either immediately discarded or introduced way too late for you to care about them. General Grievous is a great example of that. We're like, yeah, he's cool and he's a badass, but why the fuck should I care about him? Who is this dude? <laughs> Do you know what's wild watching Clone Wars? There's a throwaway line in Revenge of the Sith where General Grievous tells Anakin that he imagined that he would be taller, indicating that it is their first time meeting face to face. And so those characters can never meet face to face in the seven seasons of Clone Wars. Because in the movie, Grievous said that he imagined Anakin would be taller. You just got to give him a bonk on the head. He lost his memories. <laughs> it's the first. <laughs> I, I mean, he's like him. one crumpled up spleen inside of a robot. Like, what? What does he know? Honestly, he's general grievous because he was grievously injured. <laughs> <laughs> Although I will say, like doing Wikipedia dives, Grievous is righteous as hell. Like Grievous's whole story is that the Jedi and, and the Republic like allowed corporations to come in and like enslave his people and take over his world. And so he's like, no, fuck the Jedi. The Jedi have to go. Like they're worthless. They don't do the one thing that's their job that they're supposed to do. And I'm in here in the background, like, yes, Queen, slay. <laughs> like the separatists were right, actually. Like, I just want them to win. And it's sad because they can't. It's 
the political messages in the original trilogy and the the prequel trilogy are fascinating to me because they're the backdrop of everything. Like it's very present in a way that it it isn't always as clear in the sequel trilogy. Um, and that's the absence of George, George, honestly. It is. It 100% is. You know what's really wild? Um, I read an article about this a while back, and obviously I can't verify its veracity because I wasn't fucking there. Um, but apparently, like, left on the cutting room floor, there were several scenes in Revenge of the Sith where, like, Padme was going to see the writing on the wall that, that fucking Shmi-ass Palpatine was bad news, that he was a fascist, that he was going to seize power. Um and then Anakin was going to help him do it, both of which were very true. She, her and her coalition of senators were going to join the separatists and like organize them and try to rally them to push back against the, the new empire, thus forming the rebel alliance before she dies. Like, you know, with Mon Mothra was one of her like senator buddies, Mon Mothra and Bail Organa. And yeah, like, like that whole click. They're the clique was was going to join the separatists and organize them. And then she was going to go meet Anakin on Mustafar with a knife behind her back, prepared to kill him to stop him. But when she saw him, she couldn't do it. And that was going to be the tragedy. How much better would that have been for her fucking characterization for her as a person if she had gotten that treatment instead of just, oh, my problematic himbo husband. Oh, no. The, the I've died of grief. <laughs> it's so dumb. It's so dumb. And and again, the fucked up thing about it that the Jedi could never see is that if Anakin just could have gone to Obi-Wan or to Yoda and been like, hey, I love Padme. She is my entire world. And I'm having constant dreams where she dies in agony. I need help. Everything could have been avoided. Secrets never help anybody. They just don't. The bill always comes due somewhere. And there are still Star Wars fanboys who will be like, it's those attachments, though. Jedi were right. Shouldn't shouldn't uh, shouldn't have got your dick wet, Anakin. That was a bad idea. Bad move. <laughs> the the overall problem with the the no attachments thing is every everybody has attachments. Like every everyone. Like, you do it involuntarily as a, a living person, whether those are friendships or romantic relationships. Like, social creatures form social bonds without trying, because <laughs> that's part of the deal. Um, and, of course, people are going to be afraid to lose those things. Like, at the end of the day, right, we all have people we care about. We all have things that are important to us. Learning how to deal with grief is more important than learning how to avoid grief because you will never avoid grief altogether. You need to be able to learn how to deal with your emotions and process them and not hide from them. Because I'll tell you what, if you hide from your emotions, they make you sick. Like it comes out somewhere else. Soapbox off again. (laughs) Also, it's super fucked up that like the the book of Boba Fett, like what episode three, I think, came out where he spends he does the flashback heavy episode where he's spending time with the the Tuscan Raiders, mm-hmm. uh, and 
like a whole chunk of the Star Wars fandom was just like, oh, the implications for Anakin's actions in Attack of the Clones and how much more unforgivable they are in this new light. And it's like, y'all thought y'all thought that shit was chill. Like that wasn't okay to begin with. (laughs) That was never even in the subtext. Like it was never okay. He's mortified because he did a terrible thing in the movie. He knows it. And then, and then fucking Padme, galactic senator, supposed to look out for the the well-being and the rights of every sentient being in the galaxy. Padme fucking Amidala just cradles his fucking head to her titties and goes, it's okay, baby. They weren't really people. What the... Mm, I fucking... Fucking hate Star Wars sometimes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. All right. Well, that's looking to be about podcast o'clock. Um, thank you, everybody, for hanging out while I rant and rave about Star Wars for just about an hour. Um, if you guys enjoyed just hearing us kind of talk off the cuff about whatever was on the top of our minds, um, you can get this kind of treatment regularly uh, once a month during the run of the regular Blastburn Radio Nuzlocke season and bi-weekly throughout the rest of the year uh, over on Patreon at patreon.com slash challenge accepted media. Uh, this show will be available to all patrons at the $5 tier and above and to everyone who is already supporting the show monetarily. Thank you so much. I, I really can't express how much we appreciate it. Yeah, it, it helps us out so much. Like legitimately, we talk about it a lot. This show is a lot. The show is a lot. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of prep. It's a lot of editing. It's a lot. It's it's everything. Um, we like to put a high degree of polish on things. We we take that seriously. I think we always have, um, even when we had zero money, uh, and Anna and and Stephen were funding out of pocket. Um, so anything that you can do to help is amazing and appreciated and wonderful. All right, guys. Well, that's going to be it for today. Um... For patrons, there will be another March episode um, that will be exclusive to the Patreon feed. So be sure to uh, add that to your podcatcher of choice. And uh, until next time, um, don't make out with your childhood babysitter. Um, It's true. That's good advice for life right there. Yeah. Do that. Okay. I love you. (laughs) Bye-bye. Bye.